Wait for it. Wait for it. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place we are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guest, the one, the only, the legendary Mr. Tox, introduce himself to our listeners and viewers. Thank you, man. Yeah, my name is Tox. I am uh, super old, 36, from New Jersey. Uh, three kids, all under the age of four. And uh, yeah, in a nutshell, that's that. I'm the uh, CEO of uh, th- three companies, one Malice, um, another one that's recently launched as of last year, Metric Incorporated, and then Mischief and Malice, which is really where most of my attention is poured right now. So what I'm hearing, sir, is you need another hobby. Oh, for sure. So you don't have the fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth kids. Got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the kids get old enough, they can just, you know, just start running the business and kind of just take it off my hands. So uh, I better. hear the children yearn for the mines. That's right. The That's Amish right. have that same uh, business model. I need more workers. Make another Free labor. Kid. That's it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, uh, so, so, Stabby, have you tried that with your kids? Send them to the mines, see if that helps? Um, I, I've tried multiple things with that kid, you know, beat him with the switch. I mean, I mean, no, let him love. play beat him with love. Let him play the switch. Sorry, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. He knows how to do his own laundry, and he knows how to do the dishes, and he knows Poor how to mop, but he has that's all. So I have to go back and redo it. That sounds about the average teenager. The uh, next part of the introduction, dear listener, dear viewer, is how we found them. And so I found talks through his uh, Discord channel when I was trolling the Discords, dish, dishboards, Discords. I don't know the Discord boards. There's an acronym that they mush the words together. We're just going to go with it. Smile and nod, people. Smile and nod. But uh, it's, his game sounded cool because, you know, Mischief and Malice. What kind of name is that? Caught my attention. The logo, which uh, – do I have that art? I think I do. Give me just a second. I'm going to throw that art up on the screen. There we go. I got it ready. I mean, how does that – there you go, Nick. You got it for me, brother. <laughs> Thank you. How do you not like art like that, right? It's like Slayer meets Pokemon. I, of course I was curious. They're Pokemon that want to rob me and then take me on a dark adventure, I think. so. I'm yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that sounds like a, a perfect Tuesday night, to be honest with you. So Yeah. Oh, we could do yeah. it Tuesday and Wednesday. Just saying. Agreed. You remember that Army Cadence, uh, Nick, Whips and Chains? We're not going to say all the lyrics because this is a family-friendly show. I'm just saying if that, that Cadence had an avatar, it would be this logo. Oh, yeah. Totally. All right. If you know people, you know. And if not, hit me up in the DM. We'll get you the lyrics. But I can't say that over the air. I'm pretty sure YouTube would ban us for that. Pretty sure. All right. So, sir, before we get started, are you ready for the religion questions? Let's do it. All right. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Easiest question in the world, Star Wars. For sure. Oh, boy. What is it about Star Wars that speaks to you? Oh, it's actually good. Uh, yeah, I mean, the other two, the other two are not, I just, man, I've tried and tried and tried. I just, I just can't get into it. But Star Wars for me it's been a, was a huge thing when I was a kid. And even though the, you know, current movies leave a lot to be desired as an understatement, I still would take that any day over the others. Hands down. Yeah. We've said it here before, but I really don't think Gene Roddenberry understood human nature. It was a little too utopic for me. Like the idea that you just don't need money. He doesn't understand yeah. what makes people tick. Right. In my opinion. 
money and the love of a good woman. Yeah, but it's, it's it's the achievement. It's the being able to do something, like working towards something. Just having everything and doing nothing, people go crazy. In fact, uh, did you guys ever watch the um, was the black and white Hitchcock thing? The um, um, oh, it's where they did all the weird stuff. Outer Limits? No, not Outer Limits. Um, where they had the little the spiral that did the like hypnotic thing as the intro. The Twilight Zone? The Twilight Zone. There we go. They had an episode of Twilight Zone where heaven, where this guy thought he went to heaven because he got everything he wanted and it turned out that was hell because he got bored. Yeah. It's yeah, like the first Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's like classic retirement syndrome. That's like people go insane when they retire and they just stop doing anything. Yeah, my stepdad is refusing to retire because he's convinced literally the next day he'll drop dead. It happens oh, all the time. It's weird. When I retire, I got like three hobbies that I'm ready to get into. They're already in the barrel. They're ready to go. But that's not a hobby. Yeah. Those are other jobs. You're not exactly retiring from work. You're just moving to different work. That's a little different than true retirement. Yeah, but it's fun work. And if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life, sir. But you're not sitting at home playing shuffleboard on the uh, old folks cruise either. Oh, God, no. I'll Wait, go on a cruise as a vacation. Yeah, do people still play shuffleboard? I don't know. Oh yeah, did I've you seen. hear about the? Uh, did you hear about the couple that they realized that it was cheaper to continue to just keep going on cruises than to move into a retirement home? So oh, I believe been on it. Fifty-one cruises, like back to back. They just I mean, live on the boat. <laughs> that's not a bad plan if you you know if you play. I'm writing that down for later. Um, <laughs> it's a great idea. It's a great idea. All right. And uh, because we're polytheistic over here at the Blasters Blades podcast, the Game of Thrones, the Wheel of Time, or the Chronicles of Narnia? It's a cop-out answer, but uh, Game of Thrones for sure. Why is that a cop-out answer? Uh, I think it's the most relevant in, in the modern era, I would say, probably of, of the three there. We used to have Lord of the Rings as the third because those are the three most iconic, but everyone said Lord of the Rings and it really wasn't fair. So it's Chronicles and Narnia because it's contemporary to Lord of the Rings. But C.S. Lewis, which is funny because I'm actually like not a Lord of the Rings guy at all. Really? Anything with like wizards or orcs or anything of like that nature, I just can't. I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. I just can't get into it. Can't get into it. But they had like there were monsters and dragons and stuff in there Game are. of Thrones. True, that's true. That's true. To me, like Game of Thrones just has a little bit more of an edge to it. I think. So you like the dark? Yeah, it's much darker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially when it turned into the medieval Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the ending kind of sucked because I'm just clearly mm. someone to understand basic logistics. Yeah. And I've told this before because people have reached out to me about, oh, you know, I want to write military stuff, but I didn't serve. I'm like, have you ever watched a hockey game or, or football or played any contact sports at all or sports in general? If you can understand a play in a sport, you can understand combat. It's the same general principle. In fact, most sports started as training grounds for warriors. Hmm. So the idea that you can't understand how to read a play and, and, and plan a battle is just the only difference is when you mess up, there's no penalty box. It's the forever box. Look at Correct. hockey. You're you're gliding around on knives and beating the crap out of each other. And someone yeah. just died in hockey because he got a knife. Yeah, they yeah, did. He got his throat slit. So, I mean, see, they're, the only one I couldn't figure out how this translates to combat, because most of them have. I actually took a history of sports class in college because I needed an elective field. I don't understand where golf came from, because that one is just, 
I really think someone was just drunk and couldn't find his car keys or something. Because I, I just Scottish sport and it's an acronym. Go on. Okay, it stands for gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. Okay, that's where the name came from, but the concept behind just whacking a little ball with a stick. Oh, they just like their cuisine. They made shit up so they can get out of the house <laughs> and not get nagged by their wives. No, it starts with croquet. Croquet or crochet? Those are two different things. Cratcheting is not uh, what I'm talking about. Cratcheting. <laughs> Cratcheting. Cratcheting. I'm talking about yeah. cratcheting. It's a family-friendly show, honey. Oh. You know what yeah, there's a there's a funny video floating around the military circles where this lady literally knitted a cover in crochet for a tank in the UK, and so they put it on and let her take pictures with it. It's freaking hey, hilarious. If they're cold, if you're cold, they're cold. Bring them yeah, inside. Pretty much. All right. All right. That's how I feel about deer. I mean, that's what you have gas stoves for, right? To heat them up. The deer. I mean, you know that they call um, crochet. Some- you know that they call people who crochet hookers, right? It's oh also God. positioned in a rugby field. A hooker? Yeah. It's like the quarterback, essentially. All right. So this is really something new today. No yeah, this, this is really good stuff to know. I feel like it'll really help some people listening avoid some really difficult situations at some point in their lives. So <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, I, I started playing rugby also. I didn't know she was the lady of the evening. Yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a good excuse. I bet you it would hold up in court somewhere. The, the funny one is the guys that will stop at the meme and, like, the you'll do anything for $30. All right, I need you to come paint my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, because we are civilized people here, we're not knuckle-dragging troglodytes, at least not anymore. Nick and I are in recovery. Uh, sir, coffee-ish, and the ish is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Man, so I, like, do not drink coffee or tea at all, like, even a little bit. I just wake up straight up in the morning, caffeine pills. I just cut out the middle, man. Straight up caffeine pills, water, and then, my I, like, a lot of Coke Zero. A lot of Coke Zero. Yeah. I'm a fan yeah. of Coke Zero. Yeah. Is, is it all the bodybuilding and stuff like that you've been working too. on? Yeah. I just, dude, I don't know what it is about coffee. I just like, I don't like the taste and um, it's, I don't like hate it, but I just, if I have a, a choice, I'd rather just wake up, take caffeine pills and some water and just go. It's a lot quicker. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I overdosed uh, on caffeine pills as an undergrad because, you know, <laughs> yeah. Stuff happens when you go to military college. How, how much did you take? Because it takes a lot, man. Because I, really well, I was, I was combining uh, monsters with uh, nodos and um, coffee. Why do you hate your heart? No, I just needed it to keep my scholarship. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> if I just study longer, it, it makes sense. Nah, see, the, see, like the trick is like stacking it, man. Like when I was like uh, younger, I would stack it with like aspirin. Like ephedrin, the ECI stack. It was like a big thing. Yeah. Oh, ephedrin. Yeah. Gotta miss that stuff. So we were talking in the pre-show. You're here because you you invented a a new cool card game. Take that magic gathering. Want to cancel all your cool cards. (laughs) Uh, And you decided you didn't want to care about anybody canceling anything. You're just going to make cool shit and and own it. Uh, But how did you get into games? Because we were talking in the pre-show and you've got like, a gazillion dollars worth of games in your basement and more upstairs. You probably framed your house with board games. If, if, if the picture you painted is accurate. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, I mean, honestly, most of the games I'm into are more like retro video games, specifically Nintendo, like okay. Nintendo 64 era, Game Boy era. 
that time period. So nice. I've been collecting that for years. Um, kind of how I started my own business while I was working my old career was really just buying retro stuff, getting it graded, getting it cleaned up and then reselling it. And most of what I have is kind of pretty much all paid for with that. And then I got really heavy into grading if you're familiar with it. And if you're not basically grading something is just taking something that's new or at least partially new, as new as possible. There are companies out there that will give it a score from one through 10. And then basically those things, uh, collectors really go after things that have a grade, especially in games of like eight plus. So you could take a game that's worth $200, but graded is worth over a thousand. So I've been really heavily entrenched into the gaming world for, I mean, it's been like 15 years now and making a game has always been something I wanted to do. And so at the tail end of my prior career, I ended up just saying, screw it, man. And jumped into it head first so the game has been in development for two years but i would say the last like six months it's just been like blowing up left and right which has been really cool to see nice so what was the first uh first game uh we'll start with the electronic because you mentioned that what was the first game mm -hmm. you played? um first time i played man it was probably like super mario brothers 3 for like the nes like new jersey super jersey old school mario brothers Dang what's that your new jersey came out mario brothers <laughs> mario brothers it's true yeah it, it, that's a good jersey thing man i don't know why we talk like that but of all the problems new jersey people have that's like the least of them so oh, yeah. it, could, it could be so much worse you know so yeah i would say like like mario brothers dude I, even if i try to can't do it and like zelda, <laughs> I, I, zelda i think from that era zelda was like my thing growing up and then like i think when i was in probably elementary school pokemon that was kind of like my childhood okay yeah. So um, what was your, was Pokemon your first uh, deck builder style game? Yeah, actually Pokemon would have been my, my introduction to card games as a whole in terms of like trading card games. Um, unless you want to count something cheesy like Uno or something, but yeah, I would say Pokemon was probably it for me. So for those of us who aren't as aware, what's the difference between a card game and a trading card game? Is that a distinction of type? Yeah, there is. So, you have, there's a few different types, but we'll just break it down into two. You have board games, which are kind of like pre-constructed, right? You buy it, you have it. And so even in board games where you can build your own deck, unless they release an expansion, you, you own the whole game. So every player is playing the same game. Trading card games, I mean, it's kind of implied in the name. The set is so large that you don't have to buy the whole thing up front and players typically collect and build their own sets. And then in trading card games, you are, you're essentially guaranteed seasons forever. So in a trading card game, you have a new set that is every single season. You know, typically in some games, it's four months, every six months. Um, yeah, I mean, like, th that's the number one distinction is a trading card game lives on forever. So if you as a new player get into a new game, you know that your cards you buy now work, and then six months from now you're going to have another set to choose from and another one and another one so it's really just kind of like think of it as a board game with perpetual expansion and they're more collectible because that that's the other big piece too is like on the collector side of things there's things called like pull rates like in pokemon's a classic example we'll go back to like the original base set like charizard was like the big the big card of that set and pulling that, it's like, I don't know the exact pull rate, but it was like one out of every, you know, 100,000 pulls, for example. Whereas you have other cards that are rare, but they're not nearly that rare. So that's the other thing, too, that really kind of factors into the price. Like trading card games tend to be worth a lot of money if the game does well. Board games, it, we, everybody has the exact same thing. So there's a lot of discrepancies in terms of like how it's collected and how it's played. 
Okay, with the trading card games, though, is it always like one versus one battles? To, are there ones that like tell stories? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't really know anything about it. Yeah, man. So, like, every game's a little bit different. Um, some games are really big into like the lore. Like, you have games that have like overarching stories. Unfortunately, I think a lot of times, like, modern trading card games have gotten away from that um, because it, they're a really big money generator. So, one versus one tends to be the most common thing. Like in Mischief and Malice, as an example, we built it for four player and we built it for like two versus two. And then you obviously have like one versus one. But I would say the average game from like a tournament style type setup is is one versus one. And I would say the average game now, like Magic is really tough because they, they're just so all over the place with expansions. And uh, we will get into it later. But there's a thing in trading card games that we don't do that most games do called set rotation. And in set rotation, if you guys were to pick any game you want to get into today and you buy cards, Pokemon, Magic, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is one of the other brands that doesn't do it. But your cards are only playable for two years. And after two years, they're no longer valid or legal. So you have to basically like your, your, your collection doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, it's a great moneymaker oh. for them, but it sucks oh, as a yeah. player. So they nerf your decks basically every so often. Yeah, typically it's two years. The average company does like a two-year lifespan. So when you're entering tournaments, and like the tournament seems huge in, in trading cards. Um, it's huge, like cash prizes, a whole thing. Um, it's like a whole scene. But if you build a deck today, you know, two years from now, it's invalid. Those seasons are no longer playable legally. And then, be, you know, typically the companies will reprint some of those things. They'll like mix in old cards into newer sets. It saves them a lot of time in like research and development too. Do they ever rotate them back in um, at a future point where if you hold on to them long enough, the, the old is new again, or are they permanently no, gone? No, they, they, they're permanently gone. They basically make you rebuy them because they typically will reprint cards that were played a lot. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so how much math goes into designing um, from your end? Um, more than I wish existed ever because I, <laughs> like, I hate math, but like on the back end – like the, when you start out designing a game, the way it looks conceptually, I mean, I can tell you from like two years ago to now, it's a completely different game, but there's so much that goes into the mechanics and, and balancing. And then because like we talked about, it's a, it's a trading card game where you have these like perpetual seasons. Um, you also have to make sure that whatever you're, you're setting up right from day one is flexible enough that you can introduce new mechanics down the line that aren't going to break the game. So it's mostly math. Like everything is math. And like the systems we have, like I, we have programs that we use on the back end that are custom made that are card builders and deck builders. And then we also have like card design kind of suites where there's rules that we kind of have that are unpublished where certain rarities and certain creatures have certain amounts of health, certain amounts of attack, certain things that we try to avoid doing. And then, yeah, it's, it's a lot of math, man. It's all formula based. So how hard was it to build that to beginning? Because you came into this not knowing anything about the back end, right? You were just a, a yeah. super nerd who liked playing cool games and Pretty much. designing one. And you didn't take the route of like full sale university in Florida that actually has a game design. No. No, I just went for it. Uh, honestly, like I had the idea for a long time. Um, my first company I ever started was called Malice. And the branding there is kind of on the darker side. And I really like our, our people in that company. It's an online um, kind of like a paid community where we do like education and courses and stuff. But we had a large base that were really into the characters that we started coming up with. I was like designing characters. We were doing merch. We were doing like hoodies and 
figurines and stuff like that. And I really wanted to kind of take that universe and put it into a game. So I've, I had the idea for mischief and malice. Um, and that name is really specific and I can get back into that in a bit, but just kind of designing it. I knew what I wanted it to look like. It just took, I mean, I'm telling you thousands of, of play tests. I mean, thousands to really that get it to a point where it's, yeah. Yeah. So what is the um, the lore for the world that you built? And while you're answering that, I'm going to put up some of this card uh, yeah. stock that you got that we grabbed from. And for anyone, it's because this is it's in pre-development because it's got a Kickstarter that's going to be go- – when is your Kickstarter running? Uh, it's going to be uh, starting off in the first week of February. Okay. Nice. So this is the pre-stuff, but he's got a lot of stuff already out. You could already buy the base of the game. Um, so, I mean, he's, it's pretty much done. The Kickstarter is just – gravy on top of and spreading the word right 100 yeah so the whole game right now is fully playable on tabletop simulator on steam so in our discord we do nightly play tests my team is relatively large at this point and we have guided tours where we set up new players people that have played a while and kind of walk them through and they're just there to answer any questions and kind of teach so the whole like the full first season is done we're already working on season two and some sets for season three and while we're kind of doing conventions, but yeah, whole game is playable right now. And then the Kickstarter is really just our major like retail and online distribution like launch. But like you mentioned, we're doing like um, pre-release uh, starter kits that are going to be in the second week of December, and a bunch of merch that we've started coming out with. So we will have to uh, see if we can arrange if you guys are on Steam because Nick and I, that game we were telling you in the pre-show that sucked all of our money. I mean, yeah. we donated to a worthy cause. Um, uh, don't listen to this, Stabby. You don't need to know this. It's Christmas, I'm sure, or something. Um, Thanks for diming me out, bro. <laughs> oops, my bad. Uh, I will send okay, her like man. bourbon or something. She'll be distracted. We'll be good. Or coffee. Yeah, we'll get her some coffee, drink coffee. Orange, orange Jameson and ginger ale should do the trick that's what she's drinking it's, this evening it's the blood of my enemies the blood of her enemies there you go love it oh and if you if you want a new combination stabby i did get some of that coffee brand coffee uh blueberry and a little bit of sky vodka vanilla together with just a touch of cream delicious it's blueberry vanilla cream Can with a kick me? welcome to the alcoholics hour <laughs> hold on i got i've been ordered to mute i'm muting so I had never been um, east of Louisiana until I married Nick. And he took me to Florida. He took me to this awesome bar in St. Augustine uh, called the White Lion. And the bartender was digging us so much that he comes out and he's like, here, free shots. And I'm like, mm, what is it? I'm very careful with my booze. Like, what are you trying to give me? And it was the orange flavored Jameson. It tastes like tang. Nice. It's dangerous. You don't know. You don't know that it's whiskey in your cup until your head starts feeling foggy. But it was an appropriate <laughs> drink because the Bengals were playing that night. So that works. Jameson. There you go. Are you a sports fan, Tox? Um, played it for most of my life, like in my adult life, outside of football, I follow very little. I'm digging this card, by the way, Nick. I figured this one speaks of me like Hellboy, so I figured you would like it too. I did have a quick question for Tox before we move on. Okay, yeah. do it. I've been holding it and like letting JR talk, but how 
how easy it is how, how easy is it for someone to get into your game that's never played card games before super easy um that's actually the reason why i wanted to make the game was we found like i believe it or not man like i actually kind of hate card games like before i got into this because you have games like magic where if you're a new player you could lose within five minutes uh there's a lot of card games where if you're new you are constantly at a disadvantage one of the things that is really good about this is there's a lot of what we call rubber banding mechanics so if you fall behind there's a lot of things in the game that will propel you forward and we have players that are first-time players to card games period who will win against someone that's played the game 10 times um you you can do that and then like for me we i use a, a super scientific thing i call the girlfriend test which is just if <laughs> the, if your if your chick will play this game and wants to play it again it's it, it's a good game um a lot of times if it's super casual yeah i can quote horror movies and star wars all day long but my son pulls out his pokemon cards and i go yes <laughs> correct yeah and then these two knuckleheads they you know start going oh magic the gathering and dungeons and dragons and i'm over here like yeah that's like the weird I've thing never... is like no you're right like if you go to a magic tournament um which like don't because it's awful but if you ever did <laughs> um you never there's like no there's never there's never any women there ever and it's super telling just because they're typically on average i'm sure there are exceptions for anybody listening that's really offended by it like i'm sure there are exceptions but in reality there's rarely exceptions and like it's just it's boring like there's thresholds of nerdiness right where you can get to this point where you're like i really like this stuff but this is just too much for me and I find for a lot of people like magic and Dungeons and Dragons and LARPing and all that stuff, for some people, it's just too much. And if you look at that demographic, it's a very tiny sliver of women that are really into it. I always teased, I have six brothers. Oh, wow. um, so I always tease my brothers and I'm like, you guys all had it lucky. I started working at 14 and helping mom and you guys got to be kids. Yeah. So... I um I feel like I sometimes I feel like I missed out on that little cusp where you know getting into that nerdy side of playing cards could be fun, mm -hmm. but I'm like yeah I've never played Dungeons and Dragons like I get when people are making comments about it because of things like Stranger Things and stuff like right. that I'm like oh I I get that reference but. I've never played it so every time that chair is like oh we got this new tabletop game and I'm like. Yeah. No, because like the, the other problem too, right? So one is like interest, kind of like you mentioned. And the other big thing is time. Like you only have so much time. And and that's true of, I think, universally everybody. So if you can't fundamentally learn a game in five to 10 minutes, most people just don't have the time or the attention span to really care whatsoever. So you really kind of have to nail that, that intro piece. And you, the game has to be complex enough that once you know how to play, there's layers, but simple enough that you actually give a shit enough to learn how to play so here's the dirty little secret people talk about games more than they actually have time to play them i have oh, yeah. more game books for rpgs that i'll probably never have time mm -hmm. to set a table with Correct. especially rpgs because they require the dungeon master and everyone wants to play no one wants to dm which means if you want a game you have to be a dm and that's a hell of a lot of work so it's it's one of those things that when you have the time you don't have the money and when you have the money you don't have the time yeah exactly i get bored at comic cons how do you get bored at Comic-Cons? 
I feel like okay, we need an intervention so, in a separate episode. No. So let me explain. I don't like sitting at the table. Like for the first hour, you have my attention. I'm there. I am pushing Apogee. I will sling comic books for the first hour. And then when it slows down, I'm sitting there like, what am I supposed to do? I'll start wandering around. We did Fanboy Expo in Vegas. And at one point I got up and I was like, I'm going to go refill your flask. I'll be right back. And when I came back, I had a producer with me. And I'm like, hey, hon, I met this guy outside while I was having a smoke after I filled up your flask. Did you know he's the producer for Tiffany? You know, the singer from the 80s? <laughs> and then I disappear again and I come back and I'm like, she was the voice of Jesse in Toy Story. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I wasn't impressed you... until she brought Hayden Christensen over. So you you did mention uh, the games. It's a, it's a balance between making it simple enough for getting new people involved, but also yeah. complex enough um, that you can have strategies that matter, right? Like you can yes. play checkers, but there's really not a whole lot of strategy involved in checkers. Correct. Chess, you know, can sometimes be too complicated for some people, right? Yep. Um, so it, it is a balance. How do you build that and still keep your culture inclusive enough? Because I don't know if you've dealt with like, uh, I, I use yoga as an example because my doctor recommended it for my health. I went around to yoga studios and they were pretty smooth and snobby and they wanted you to know mm -hmm. a foreign language that's their own little weirdo thing. I'm like, dude, I just want to get healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of communities that are like, oh, you're new? Ew. Right? For sure. How do, you, how do you, in game companies or game companies, game cultures could be like that. Oh, you didn't start with edition one? Ooh. Right. How do you build your, since you're in control of this, how did you, how do you build a culture that stays welcoming to everyone so you can continually grow it instead of exclude yourself into oblivion. I think the, it's like such a cop-out statement, but like the one thing I've always, I learned early on in my career was begin <laughs> with the end in mind. So if you start off knowing that you want to end there, I think a lot of games get into this headspace where they want to do a lot and too much. And uh, I'm sure you guys have played them. I'm sure you guys have seen them. You might have even interviewed them. Like you talk to games where their game has like 30 factions and there's all this stuff going on. And the story is like, oh yeah. And another thing and another thing. And at some point, like you just got to focus on the basics. So for me, like we started off with that goal, like our first batch of play testers. And the first play test we did was in person. It was in Philadelphia. I rented out uh, a hotel conference room and it was all people who we specifically chose who had never played a card game. That was the first thing we did. So we started off with that market of people that have not, not only not touched a, a trading card game, but not even touched a board game. And oh, we wow. kind of used that to really tweak. And it took a little bit to get to where we wanted to go, where it was like super accessible. And then from there, we started to kind of layer on like the secondary and tertiary things where players that were more seasoned came in. I mean, it's impossible to make a game that is perfect for everybody. But you'd Absolutely. be surprised how much of the the Venn diagram you can really hit when you when you build things properly. Yeah, you, you it seems like you built like the perfect beta testers. People mm -hmm. that have never played anything like yes. that. Exactly. Hellboy. Yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of inspiration. This card's super cool. So Siege of Solo. This was actually a contest. So in our Discord, we actually run contests monthly where members can kind of participate. It might be like, name this card. It might be some sort of activity challenge. And this is one of our members, his name is Solo. Um, and we let him kind of build this with, with the artist team. 
So he picked out the character, what he wanted it to look like, what he wanted it to feel like. So there is some Hellboy uh, inspiration in this for sure. But yeah, this one came out awesome. Is his first name Han? No. No, I wish. I'm sure he wishes. Han Gruber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have a voice in mind for him for Solo? No. No. You know, it's funny because like, I haven't talked about it at all yet, but we're actually building a, a full online game that will be this physical game in an, in an online space for mobile and online and browser base and digital packs and digital cards and stuff. And so in that we've started, we're in early phases of building out like animations for all the characters and stuff. Right. And so now most of the characters won't really have voices. I kind of like the, the approach that games like Zelda take where the main characters don't speak because as a player, it's your, it's your own voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain things though, like just that's how I do comic books. It's like, I'll have a voice in mind for a certain look yes. of a character, you know, exactly dark and kind of like I bring my voice down a couple of octaves and just it's almost yeah. growling. Cause he looks like a demon. So yeah. that I'm reading the, the script that you have on there, the text. And I'm like, that voice is just playing in my head. I'm probably going to have nightmares, but whatever. <laughs> Kynum is awesome. So these guys, so in the game, it's called Mischief and Malice because there's two decks. So you as a player, you have your own Malice deck that you build. And then in between all of the players, we have the Mischief deck. And the Mischief deck contains two types of cards. One is a chance card. And the other type are what we call malignants. And so the one on the screen here, Kynum is an example of a malignant. And these are similar to what we would call like a boss card. So in the game, you're competing against your, your opponents. When a mischief card is pulled, which there's a few different triggers in the game to allow that to happen, and one of these guys are pulled onto the field, you can no longer attack each other, and now both players or all four players start attacking the malignant. And whoever is the one that's responsible for taking because that health in the top right-hand corner of 28, on our play mats, we actually have health markers, so we track that. Whoever is the one that's responsible for getting that down to zero wins that round. It reminds me of Art the Clown mixed with Dead Silence. It's funny you mentioned Art. That's the first um, collaboration that we are working on is with the Terrifier guys to get Art the Clown on, nice. a, on, on a malignant card. Uh, Terrifier is my favorite modern horror movie by far. The whole yeah. franchise. Even though the second one was up. like infinitely longer than it ever needed to be, I, I still love it. I could watch it to death. I wonder how they're going to treat three though. That's coming out. I think they're probably going to end up doing what they did with two and continue like the real storyline. I kind of liked how one was just random chaos, but yeah, you know, I'm in for it. Well, and so then who, all is Eve. That was my introduction to art, which I yeah. think is a lot of people's. This is some definite Joker vibes. I'm trying to get it centered as much as I can, but this uh, banner you had, mm -hmm. what is the story of this art figure right here? It looks like, um, I don't so know. that is, so that is mischief. That is one of our mascots of the game. That is our, primary mascot and so in that world um of malignance they're basically things that she has created so mischief we haven't revealed all of our lore yet because we're actually working on a comic series so all the cards have lore written on oh. them but we're working on a comic series that we're going to release at the same time so i've been really strategic about how much we um get out there but mischief is basically the creator of where <laughs> the malignancies dwell and malignancies are basically cancerous that have fallen off of her and kind of spread their malice. Nice. I, I was pulling only because of that. I pulled only from your public uh, 
Mm-hmm. stuff so that way we didn't Perfect. show anything you didn't want yeah because uh, i know you've given, you've given me some back end peeks at some of the cool art that's coming yeah. i didn't want to accidentally share that but I, i'm still digging it like i said I, i'm getting like i don't know if marilyn manson and pokemon had a, a love yeah. shot this game <laughs> would be it yeah we a lot of people refer to it as like a mix of like pokemon meets nightmare before christmas oh i can meets, see it yeah like that and then like the cards we're looking at here these are some of the cards that are in your malice deck and so like conceptually the the art piece of this is really interesting too like our whole art process is pretty unique to us because a lot of card games what they do is they subcontract art so i'll use like metazoo as an example they pay an artist x amount of dollars for a a character for a card and then that artist kind of goes away and they do that so in a set for most games you have you know 100 plus artists um and so here you know we actually have a a team of four people myself included that handles all of the art for the entire thing and so you get a lot more consistency that way um and then we have people that kind of specialize in more like 3d style things and things that are more horror based i dig the art but nick is a professional artist as well so i'm gonna let him ask oh we use that term loosely (laughs) you're drawing for marvel you you qualify now like you don't have any imposter syndrome get over it uh, no, it keeps me humble, so I don't screw it up when they give me assignments. Um, nice, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I try. I mean, it only took me forty-five years, but who's counting? Gabby's <laughs> uh, gonna love this card right here because we know she loves. Clowns. Oh, she she has a love hate relationship with clowns, especially when I showed her Terrifier. Um, <laughs> she's like, "I love you and I hate you at the same time," and I'm probably gonna cut you in half, like Art did that woman hanging upside down. I'm like, awesome. Dude, I, clowns. I, I don't know what it is about. I don't know what it is about clowns. It's like that's like the one thing you know someone in the room will always have an issue with is clowns. So you have I to think include them. I think it's Gacy. I think it's the legacy of Gacy. Um, I think it's because they're meant to be like pure jovial type mm-hmm. entities. I guess you know it's it's a person in makeup that's designed like my dad was a professional bull rider growing up. Okay, you know, so I, I dealt with clowns. All the damn time. I have no fear of him because I saw the man behind the makeup. Sure. And I also watched him take a bull hit like nothing. And uh, so, I don't know. I think the mystery with clowns is, uh, I think it has a lot of, lot to do with Gacy, the serial killer. There's, uh, a, there's a lot that goes into the origin of clowns. I don't know if you've ever heard any of those stories or not. But Yeah, there's, there's some lore behind there. Um, yeah, like tribal stuff where basically you would have tribes that after, like during war times, they would, you know, take faces off of the fallen and basically wear mm-hmm. them. And when that happens, yeah. you have excess blood flow to the nose, which is why the nose turns red, mouth turns yeah. red. And so it's super, it's very dark, but I've, I've always loved clowns, so. Yeah, I have no problem with clowns. I think they're I think they're fun. Um, Agreed. I think, you know, I've I've never dressed up as one, but that time is probably coming because I'm tired of being. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of putting on the stormtrooper armor because that is the hottest shit I've ever worn in my life. Well, I can so, imagine, man. So, so I don't know. For me, I think clown. I always think bozo, and then I think bozo. You think like the the whipped cream pie to the face and the other Spunkmeyer cookies he was always giving out and Schwinn bicycles. I don't know if Spunkmeyer cookies and Schwinn bicycles still exist, but they are still a thing, believe it or not. Yeah. Bozo the Clown finally retired after like 30 something years and three different people uh-huh. behind the paint. But I don't know. So for me, clowns were always fun memories with my sisters sitting there on Saturday morning, you know, watching people take a pie to the face. Oh, yeah. Which is, so uh, I'm not going to say it's a family show. Yeah. <laughs> try not to, Nick. 
So I'm really digging the art. So do you have different artists assigned to like this is kind of Lotus Blossom, Blossom energy, and I'm mm-hmm. all for it. It's very um, dreamscape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are alluring. It's a, so it's funny you use the word dreamscape because we refer to places in in the game as as dreams um, oh. that kind of fit into the story for uh, for dreamscapes and even the characters the the different art styles we have characters that play into different periods of time so right. there are characters in the game that have multiple cards we have past versions and future versions and then primal versions as well well and from the the cards that we've seen there's yeah like you said there's different art styles like this is very anime mm-hmm. um yep. some of the other ones are very sandman they're very uh yes you know dark universe stuff uh which i i enjoy the hell out of that i wish i could do that it's outside of my purview i mean i yeah. guess if i practice maybe but um i really like what other art styles do you have in that you're using on these decks like is there yeah. like an american comic book style or is it so the, I would say the malignants especially are very like, yeah, like these guys are the closest to like comic book. I would say almost Hellboy esque type. That is, that is swamp thing vibes right there. 100%. Yeah. We do a lot. So all the malignants are black and white with one accent color. Typically that's, that's kind of the internal guidelines. And then creatures, there's four different styles we use. There's line art, there's watercolor, which watercolor is probably the biggest in the set. And then we okay. do like actual blender models, like 3D, pseudo 3D. And then we kind of have hybrid models like you just saw with like Elegy of Eden that are more um, like environmental looking that kind of go all over the place. Okay. So we've got some of the different art styles. Um, you mentioned a little bit that this game is also on Steam. And wow, hold on real quick. We were supposed to do a commercial, but we're just going to have him. Uh, be the sponsor because he agreed to do that. So I'll mark the time real quick uh, as of now. And if you were on the audio platform, welcome back. And if not, um, yeah, you were here the whole time. So uh, with that being said, thank you for sponsoring this episode. (laughs) And uh, we're just going to keep talking because this is too much fun. Um, You mentioned that this is already on Steam. So can you tell us a little bit about that? How that's different? Yeah, so what we we use we used it initially for play testing, but there's a uh, an application on Steam called Tabletop Simulator that we have the entire game playable on. So the whole first season, which is 300 cards total, we have pre-constructed decks. So in our Discord, if you go to mischiefandmalice.com, there's links to everything, but the primary one we use is Discord just to kind of track all the sessions. We run games every night from five o'clock till three in the morning Eastern time and staff sponsored and staff there so yeah the full game's playable and that's been the number one way for me to actually stay sane while developing the game and then we just loved it so much as a team that we started using it just to let people play the game but once we were well well done with the uh play testing phase so wow, that's if so so uh, the one other thing i will say too is tabletop sim is like 20 dollars retail um i got a really good relationship with the with some of the steam uh people there so we actually have a really good discount on that and for most people that come into our server and play they're getting it for free so okay so do you just not sleep if you're playing games that long <laughs> or do you have a big enough staff luckily I sleep. 
Yeah, what is sleep? I will tell you, I don't sleep, man. I'm like three or four hours a night, if that, most of the night. It's really awful for you, but that's okay. Um, but no, like my my team, we're we're pretty spread out. We've got people, in, you know, West Coast, East Coast. We have people in Central. Uh, only times when I actually follow is East Coast because that's the only real one to me. But Absolutely. the West Coast people out there, you know, the West Coast people out there pretend. But no, we we I have a great team, awesome team, and we have people that are just dedicated to like player experience, and it's, it's it really pays off. And because I would say our average player is is a you know it's never just one game. We typically have people come back and play like five plus times. Nice. So do you know what the um, the Steam version is going to um, run for for people once it launches officially for real? And it's yeah. Just- so. What'll happen is right. It's gonna stay free right now. It'll stay free. So the Kickstarter is in February. It should be in everybody's hands um, in May, like physically. And then oh, we nice. be, then we're building our own entire ecosystem that is browser based, mobile compatible, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, everything. Uh, that'll be its own separate thing. So up until that launches, it'll be completely available on Tabletop Sim for free through our Discord. Uh, that that oh, won't nice. be changing. And then. When you buy a physical pack, it comes with a code for a digital pack. So right now you have access to everything. But when we start doing online tournaments, you'll be able to actually have like digital booster packs with your own cards and your own decks that you can build and you can trade and sell and all that stuff digitally as well. That's pretty cool. I'm getting like Pokemon meets Cthulhu vibes with this image right now. Yeah. That's like some Five Nights at Freddy. Type stuff. Yeah, man. this is uh, this is one of uh, this is actually one of mine that I did. This is actually one of the one of the cards I did the yard on, and one of the characters I, I created, Octu. And uh, he actually has, has a few different forms. We actually have um, an exclusive version of him. We have, I'll be at uh, Los Angeles Comic Con in December first, uh, second, and third. We actually have a special holographic version of an alternate art version of this card with him on it that that'll, that'll be exclusive to that convention. But he's one of my favorite characters in the game. He's actually very cool he's, so he, obviously he, he has a little bit more than eight so when you buy the game are you trading cards sometimes you can buy just one or are you mm-hmm. insisting that they buy them as a pack so the way it works i think for most people especially new so like we have our starter decks coming out in december and those will have two pre-constructed decks that has everything you would need for two players to play. It has decks. It has the mischief deck, all the mats, tokens, all that stuff. Typically people start off with the pre-constructed decks of like, Hey, here are my 40 cards. And then in trading card games, you would normally buy like our Kickstarter is all of our booster packs and booster boxes. And that's basically like an expansion to the pre-constructed stuff. But most players we find want to start off with a deck that's pre-built, especially if they're new to the game, they don't know the rules of how to build the deck. Okay, so the next question would be, you did mention that you were going to be doing comics, uh, which Nick's ears perked up. I could see it underneath his headphones because he's a comic guy. So what all mediums do you think you you want to expand the lore in? Because that's obviously going to be separate from the game itself, right? Yeah. So one thing about me is like I'm really big into ciphers. So I'm really big into puzzles. Um, In the cards right now, I don't think anybody actually knows this yet. In the cards right now, built into the lore, there's actually a giant cipher that spreads across most of the cards. And Ooh. so we wanted to incorporate that early on. So when players have the cards, they actually need certain cards to be able to actually solve the puzzle. And then we want to kind of do a similar thing where we have certain triggers that will unlock digital comics um, online. And then from there, be able to actually redeem physical comics. 
So that's kind of what the sh- the platform looks like right now. That kind of feeds into the story. Are any of the ciphers going to be put into the comics for future content? Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh god, mm-hmm. stop! I can only get so aroused. Yeah, I no. do. Something I love about puzzles. so do I, dude. I like something about just something that's I'm a big fan of hiding in plain sight. So we have yeah. cards right now that literally have text that's just hidden in the background that people don't see or haven't seen. So you really got to pay attention when you're reading these things. And not yes. be colorblind, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I'll get canceled for that, I guess, you know, for uh, not accommodating colorblindness. But yeah, <laughs> a colorblind person, you get a pass. I give it to you. You get the colorblind pass. Today. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to so record that. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep that recording in my pocket just so you know for the future. That's yeah, right. That's hard to be used later. He gives yeah. you a pass. That's okay. uh, I'll take it. And and so you mentioned obviously you're going to do comic books that are going to tell the story. Are are you planning on expanding this universe? Because obviously you're doing lots of businesses. Because mm-hmm. you just have like business ADHD and like no yes. sleep, so <laughs> it, it works for you. At a certain point in time, you know, obviously you might want to focus down. So are there plans for like I don't know novels in the worlds of mischief and malice or tabletop games where you know you got little like uh, miniatures kind of thing or anything 100%. like that. Yeah. So like with the, our three year strategy, there is mostly for me, it's about kind of game first story second, and then add on to third. So the game is, is the most important part of obviously where I've spent most of my time. And then comic series is the secondary thing from there. Online puzzles that integrate between the comics and the cards. And then we've already started working on our plush lines and our figure lines. So we're doing limited run drops. So like the first character we're doing, there's 50 of them. And of the 55 are glow in the dark. I'm a big fan of drop content, not like something that sits in stock 24-7, but something that you can put out there that's limited edition. And everything we release will also come with a card. So even the comic, when you get a comic, there'll be an exclusive card that you can only get in that comic or you could only get with that figure. And that way there's some utility there for what you're actually buying. It's not like you just have that, that ties back into the game at all times. That's some nineties level stuff, comic book wise. I'm a big fan of that. So I I really like doing there. Same. Like for me, like at conventions, we've been doing a ton of conventions the last few months. Um, what I'm always happy about is people come to the booth and they don't go like, I really like this card. They say, I really like this character. And that's a big distinction yeah. because oh, yeah. you, you can take a character and do a lot with that, whether it be in a comic or future cards, but like magic is a good example. And this is not to like, you know, trash magic, but I'm not a magic no. guy. So I guess I'll trash it a little bit, but, uh, like the, the, they release so many cards that you don't really build rapport with any characters. And so it's a lot tougher to really like expand that that universe without kind of adopting other ones so love cards yeah nice love cards so with the with the card games um is there any like when we looked at the decks like when we showed pictures of your convention play test there are obviously like little tokens and a mat do you does the mat come separate like that you were using on the table does that do you need that is that just so it's a little unique for us because i really encourage the mat usage so it's included in almost everything you buy for us which is rare so if you buy a booster box it's going to come with laminated mats if you're buying a starter kit it comes with a mat if you're buying starter decks it comes with a mat all that the reason that is is our mats and i don't know if you have that that picture of that you can kind of see them we have health trackers built into the mat which is actually super super unique um i've never seen another game do it that's not the mat. I'm going to it, Nick. 
okay. Yeah, if you if you look, yeah, yep. If if you look and you zoom in on those three characters, you'll see there's numbers that surround them. So the max health of a character is 20. So instead of having to use like die or right, oh, I see. Down, the beads. Yep. You can use sliders. Yeah, we used beads because uh, somebody. I'm not gonna throw it into the bus, but actually myself uh, forgot <laughs> the actual sliders for that convention. But we use the playmats to, to track a lot of stuff, and that saves people from having to carry around die. But yeah. we do also have the option to use D20s. Um, and then the last option, one I kind of like, but a lot of players don't, is using a companion app that we built that also tracks all of the data too. So if you're someone that wants to like travel light, just bring a deck with you. You don't need all of that, but we definitely encourage it. So I mean, no, given I like the businesses letters. you have and how little you sleep, I imagine you live on things like Google Calendar. So that's probably second nature for you. Yeah. Well, it is encouraging to know because that's the one of the things sometimes with these board games, you lose one piece and you can't play the game anymore. Right? right. Showing that you can use the slider can be replaced with little, you know, kids' beads essentially, the thick plastic ones. Mm -hmm. Like that just shows, you know, you don't need as much to play. Everything else is just fun perks for aesthetics or whatever. Exactly. But, I mean, really, just a bead you can get at a craft store for, I don't know, 10 cents a piece or whatever they're going for. You can. Tell I've never been to a craft store, uh, but whatever those beats go for, uh, I mean, it, it's your game isn't dead just because you lost whatever. Correct. Yeah. I need Bluefy as a steppy. Which one? <laughs> Bluefy. Bluefy. Yeah. Oh. Bluefy is actually uh, so. I have a weird home life, but I have a, uh, a live-in wife and a live-in girlfriend. And Bluefy is Atta for boy. my wife. Th yeah, thank you. All right. So Bluefy is for is for my wife. That's actually her character. And then you had her up before. Bean is uh, okay. my girlfriend's character. Um, so you're living the dream, know. and I'm going to show Bean. But I, I think you could definitely crochet uh, and do like a Bluefy. Homemade yeah. Oh, Amy. We, I, I did the bluefy I did the bluefy thing because my wife actually uh, is a huge knitter, like massive knitter. It's very weird, actually. She knits like all the time. When I met her our first date, I walked up and she was like crocheting something. It was very weird. I don't know why. I did scared. you make a comment about like, are did. you a reincarnated eighty year old woman? Uh, dude, of course I did. I'm like, how old are you? Is your profile? Are you? Uh, you born in 1932? Is your original yeah. name Edna? What's going on? She is into it, man. So yeah, so it was like a no brainer for me. Like when it came time to, to make a character, I have characters for my kids in the game. Um, nice. That's kind of the fun part about having a game is like you can kind of immortalize certain people that you want to, which is kind of cool. Especially if you got family members or you know fans that were close to you that you know because that happens. Like I've, I've had a couple of readers that were with me in the beginning when I started writing that sadly passed away, and I've talked to their widows, and you can you can kind of make that um, part of the the lore or whatever. Write them in. It's kind of a way to honor your friends. It's cool that you could do that. So hold on. Uh -oh. Sure. oh, is this your character? Let me put you on solo real quick. Is this your so, character in his universe? Yeah, this is Regent. She has the shaved side of the head and the piercings. He did That's the awesome. same thing for me. Oh, shit. Look at that. So he was telling me the other day that um, one of his... High school friends, high school girlfriends, something like. Oh yeah, she totally called me out um, when I <laughs> first started doing comics in 2011, 2012. Yeah, I was still in contact with her, and I told her, "I'm like, hey, I'm finally making that comic book." And she, I forgot about a deal she made with me at our eighth grade graduation party. <laughs> she was going to trade me a kiss to be a character in my comic. Okay. And then I had to pay up. I was like, ah. Uh, 
trying to remember if it was that good a kiss. I mean, are you going to be a supporting character? Or am I just going to kill you off? I mean, look, man, your word's your word. I would have done the same thing. You got to follow through. I was like, yeah, I'm a man of my word. So um, I made her a major supporting character, and then I killed her off. <laughs> that's that's honestly the dream scenario, man. That's the win-win. You right told there. me. Like, I, I'm a big fan of the Wishmaster series mm-hmm. from the 90s. So it's like you get your wish, but there's a twist, and it's not going to go well. Correct. So I'm like, you're going to get your wish, and then I'm going to kill you in the most that's horrific awesome. way possible. That's awesome. It's like the old school genie in D&D. They always twist your wish. Yeah, yeah, the gin. Yeah. Yeah. The gin, yeah. So we were, we were laying in bed the other night and he goes, Babe, she was receptionist. Your regent. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. So um Did you a superhero. Come on. So you mentioned that you know you've got you know your your wife and your girlfriend's part of the company. Are there is it that just the three of you that is mischief and malice, or do you have a larger team that you work with? No, I have a massive team. Uh we have a team of about 20 people total. That That's is massive. Cool. A lot of people. Okay. Yeah, because it we're working. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. So we have people that run socials. We have people that run marketing. We have people that are working on product development. I've got the art team. And then we've got a lot of people that oversee player experience, do rule drafting, copywriting. Like there's a lot that goes into it just because of how much you're touching all at once. I kind of do everything, and then I kind of lost my mind. So I just had to start adding people in. Yeah, that's something you quickly learn. You can't be all things to all people in a business. You have to have like, you have to have minions. Yeah, yeah, because cloning technology is not where we need it to be. Otherwise, I wish it was. I'd have ten comic books out a month if I had like ten of me. Yeah, all day long, man. I wish I had more time. I wish I could just create. So so you'll get a kick out of this, Nick. So before before I started bugging you about all the workout questions I've been asking, uh, I was asking talks, but then he went and got a job making this comic thing and. He had no time for the rest of us peons, but uh, that's how I knew you two would get along. Uh, bonding through lifting. Oh, we, we both lift heavy things and put them back down and then do creative shit. Yes. Yeah. Wait, wait. There's, heard there's him, not that many of us, actually. There's, I, I've, I've heard this Arnold voice. Can you do an Arnold voice? I think it's required when you lift. Dude, I cannot. Like, I cannot. I am so bad at impressions. Talks, what the hell funny. is wrong with you? That's <laughs> good, dude. You put that's actually down. good, man. Come on. Well, I I did have the uh, lovely experience of smoking cigars with him when he was the governor of California in his smoking tent in the middle oh, of the that's capital. Sick. That's sick. No, um, wrong. He, he was the gummy bear. The gummy bear? Okay. Jesus Christ, what the hell are you talking about, woman? You're talking, you're talking about gummy bears. So Come on, do it! You talk about, <laughs> you've talked about merchandising. One of the things I've seen a lot of indie um, content creators, be it books, comics, games, card games now uh, have been creating STL files that they sell for their, their whoa, 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 back up. Explain to the listeners and myself included, what the hell is an STL file? The STL file is what you need to print on a 3d printer so you can make your stuff. So the, when you I use should, your 3D, I should know that I have a 3d printer that you I do. So I thought you did, but so if you want to print something on a 3d printer, you need an STL file. Uh, you have a lot of programs you can go to make the STL file. I know, uh, Studio have, Max, Blender, AutoCAD um, can do it. AutoCAD, yeah. But are you planning on doing any of that for your um, for your fans? That if they wanted little tokens of their favorite characters, so we have STL files because that's kind of how we prototype. Like I'm big into 3D printing. I've got a resin one and two FDM ones, and so a lot of my early stuff we went through the process of self prototyping. It's a lot cheaper that way. Um, 
we've we've talked about it. We we tend to lean on the side of keeping things more limited because it tends to just do better for the game overall. Like so, one of the things I learned early on. So we used to give out prototype cards, and my first batch of cards I ever printed for this game. I, like I look at today and I'm like mortified by them. They're awful looking. But the problem is if somebody has one and it's happened in our discord, someone posts a picture of it, someone else doesn't realize that it's a prototype. And so they look at it and they go, wow, this game looks like shit. And it does. If, if that's what you're basing your, your perception on. So the problem with STL files is anybody can print it. Anybody can give you a false representation of your brand. And then someone else sees it and that's their introduction. And they're like, okay, the characters look awful because on an STL file, if their if their printer's not tuned, they use weird color filament. And you're like, what the hell is this? So my my initial reaction is probably to say no from, from a branding standpoint. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I got a like five issues of a comic that when I was first starting out, and I look back at them now, and I'm like, I never really see these again. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the story was solid, my artwork was not there yet. So, like, I have two options. I put that in the vault like Disney does, and I'll yep. release it 100 years later, or I redraw the whole damn thing. Or, 100%. hear me out, people like to follow progressions and careers. You leave them, move on, draw the next thing, and then as you get better, people will be like, wow, he's gotten a lot better, and you move on. But if you spend forever reinventing the wheel, you'll never make new stuff. You'll always be redrawing the same dang book. So, some of those pieces are in my portfolio, and it, that's kind of what started – me getting some of these higher level gigs is because I did show my progression. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to roll with it, but we're here to talk about talks and his awesome. Absolutely. Shit. So my, my question is if you're not going to sell the STL files, but you do make them, if you, is there any plan in the future? Do you think for merchandising those through a company that, you know, could reputably print them? And I don't know if these companies exist, but I would assume so that they can prevent print them with some level of consistency that would meet your branding standards. Probably, honestly, probably not. What we're doing instead is we're working with with the, the same plant we're using to manufacture the game is working on figurines for us. So like nice. we design we design the models and then we're doing like limited runs each character. We're doing a set of 10, 10 total characters. Each one has 50 made. There's only 50 of those characters and each one comes with a card. So the cards are limited and they're serialized too, like one out of 50, two out of 50, three out of 50, both the box and the character. We, we've we had a lot of luck with that model. Like we got into pins. Like we have a few characters that we've done pins of now that, that have done really well. So I think for us, like I'd rather just keep the quality control that much higher. And you tend to find that when you're doing like die cast type, like injection molded stuff is so much better than anything you could 3D print. Even resin. Like I have a resin printer. Quality is awesome. It doesn't touch anything that's like injection molded. I have some injection mold um, Star Wars figures for a yeah. tabletop game better yeah. than any of the plastic shit that I've seen. A hundred percent, man. And they're like 20 years old. You know, that that's the other thing too, is from like a durability standpoint, they just, they never break. They never age. They don't yellow. They don't warp. Yeah. Sometimes I just good. gaze at them and have little mini adventures in my head. Like when I was eight. <laughs> Playing a little I battle. That, yeah. 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 So since we're talking about metal figures and uh, and the figurines in general, is there any plans to, hopefully not as bad as D&D did, but to make a board game that's like a proper board game? Yeah. We actually have, I have a working prototype right now of a board game that is actually fully playable with the cards from the card game, like 100%. So what will likely happen down the line is we would take, we would create play mats that the reverse side of it is an actual full board game. 
and then Ooh. you would choose characters from your cards that you currently own and so those would be like your main characters in the game and then there would be a separate deck you would have that would play with it but everything that you currently have would work interoperably with it like with the actual board game concept i originally wanted to do both at the same time and i learned through feedback from people that it was just too much to learn so we wanted to do card game first and then we're gonna circle back to the board game piece i mm -hmm. i like the yeah that's awesome um yeah because i'm kind of excited I'm like i want to play the card game but i also want to play the board game part mm -hmm. uh, and i'm sure you have a lot of people interested in that too when you, you get to that point when you're ready to do for that. sure yeah it's um, like for, that's like especially people like there's people uh, you, you kind of rate them like one through ten like a lot of people that are brand new, they're, they're, they're still like fours or fives, but you have people that are just ones where card games are just not interesting, but board games are. Like they can play shoots and ladders and sorry and Monopoly all day long, but you give them like a card game and it's just, it just doesn't connect. So yeah, board games, is there any plans to take the board game? Because I mean, I've seen Monopoly on Steam. Is there any plan to take the board game part to Steam? Oh, for sure. Yeah, honestly, dude, like the one thing at conventions, especially in the modern era, people just want a digitized version of whatever you're doing. They want to lay in bed and play it on their phone. So it would be dumb for me to not anything that we do should be available in some form of a, of a digital medium, including the comics, like anything you do like that, you, you want to have self-contained like we have a companion app. But in that over time, you'll have like a card database, a collection tracker, you'll have all the comics your whole collection should be all kind of integrated into one place. When you get to that point, is it all going to be on the same app or are there going to be different apps for certain aspects of the game and comics and things like that? So two apps, basically one would be like a collection tracker tracking like what, what cards you have. And then the other, and then also like a companion app that tracks like your health, if you don't want to use the play mats. And then the other one is the whole digital like marketplace where you're playing other players. You guys can trade cards. When you buy a physical pack, you can buy a digital pack or you can buy a digital pack on your own and then you can build things. So right now it's one, it's going to have to evolve into two just because the, that right. one is so complex and there's a whole yeah. development team behind that and everything. Yeah. So um, is there no, go ahead, Jay. So if you buy, let's say you buy the physical deck and you've got whatever cards is there any plan to be able to make your digital deck match what you physically own or is it question. separately random so the only company i've seen really be able to do that doesn't even do it anymore like um magic doesn't do it nobody does it pokemon has come the closest and they stopped doing it where if i if i make a pack like we don't know what's in the packs the way that they're randomized is a whole process that i've been walked through about a hundred thousand times now from different manufacturers. But like when they produce a pack, they don't know what's in that pack. They know the, the ratios and the quantities. So for you to be able to know that and then pair that with a digital version is literally impossible. You would have to own your own plant to, to do it. So instead, oh, wow. what we do is if you buy a pack, you will get a digital version of that same pack, but it will be a different mix of cards. It's the only way you could do it where people can get cards for free the only way like magic you have to just buy all your packs digitally you're not you're not getting really anything so pokemon kind of came the closest but yeah we looked into it i would have loved to do it we even talked about doing qr codes on the cards that are unique the problem there is you will run out of sequences really quick because every card becomes a unique one of one they're serialized that way so obviously you're doing some stuff for free right now because you're trying to build the community to build mm -hmm. the game and and you know Every whether you're selling comics or you're selling books or you know music, in the beginning a lot of content is given away for free to build fans. Mm -hmm. 
at some point in time, you're going to have to start selling them or you're going to, you know, need to get a day job at McDonald's or something. And, you know, your family yeah. might like that. So uh, how much longer, because keep in mind, this will be airing uh, the Wednesday before Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, what sales are you doing? And second, when do you suspect you'll you'll roll over to your monetization phase if people want to get in early? Yeah, so the Kickstarter will be the big, the, the initial first push into that. I will say, um, yeah, there's a lot of upfront investment needed. There's a lot of reason for that, though. Like your game, it's unlike anything else. You have to build a community first to have a game be worth playing. Because if somebody looks into it and you don't have people playing, it is a pointless endeavor. Because I know for me, like I wouldn't want to play a game that I know a year from now won't exist. And a lot of card games don't make it past the first year. It just we watch it all the time. We've done enough market research to see it. Um, the starter decks are the first cards that we're selling, and that'll be the second week of December. The day that this airs, we're actually going to be launching our Shopify store. So that'll be available right then and there with pre-orders for the rest of uh, Thanksgiving week for that, that that starter deck. So the whole game will be playable. Playmats, everything you saw in this picture from the convention. Two pre-constructed decks, the Mischief deck, all the tokens, all the playmats for, for 40 and that'll come out the second week of December. That's not bad. That's a reasonable price point. Yeah, we wanted to get aggressive for the same reason. We really just want this in people's hands. Like we've been going around to obviously conventions and that a big part of that for me has been in card games like local game stores. They call them LGSs are the are the biggest thing. Everyone's right. local comic shop. That is where tournaments are held. That's where we really want this game to thrive more than I care about any retail channel. Um, that's been our big focus. And so same thing there. Like we reserved a hundred units of those starter kits just to give to LGSs just to kind of get them like in the door as well. Yeah. Um, every look, every LGS or local comic book store I go into has a section that's also an LGS. So yes. um, that the two, the two types are, are married to each other. So most people that sure. read comics or most people that play card games. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of overlap yeah. in those two worlds. I've noticed for sure. No, you're you're. It's very smart that you're taking that approach of appealing to both types. So, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be successful. I can feel it because I'm now we're we're dude. We're excited. Like I was always told, um, you know, early on, I was trying to figure out like what the hell I was doing, and people always told me when you're playtesting, you know, you're done or close to done when people end the playtest and they go, okay, like where do I buy it? Um, cause your first, you know, few months, especially the play test is just like, okay, well, that was a thing. Like I, I experienced that. Um, it's kind of how, you know, it sucks. And then from there you make tweaks. And then, you know, these days, like, especially at conventions, it's constantly like, where can I buy it? Like right now. And the answer right now is no, like, uh, you gotta wait a few weeks. And so I'm really excited. We've got from January through the end of March, we've got 15 conventions so we're we're well, and that that's good. That's a testament to your product. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anybody that's going to come by and you get you're getting free mark. Well, not exactly free market research, but you're getting good market research there. Oh, you are. You know, 100%. at your tables. Uh, uh, yeah. Man, you're a freaking genius. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool shit, man. I, I've I've been doing con circuits for years, so um, rarely do I see that where you get to walk around and someone draws you in like, Hey man, play this card game. And you know, like most people don't do that. No, so I've, 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 never, I've been I've never surprised. No, you're right. I've been surprised. Cause like my first convention was San Diego comic-con this last year. 
And I was really surprised by the lack of like indie space there. It was mostly established brands and uh, uh, it was interesting. And then even the smaller ones we've done. Um, yeah. You, you're, you're dead on. Like you really don't, don't see people like doing demos very often. Yeah. Um, usually they just sit there and they're on their phones and whenever yeah. shows, whoever shows yeah. up, like that's a big no, no in cons, whether you're doing comics cards or any other type of uh, medium that you're selling your stuff, you know, you gotta be up there and kind of like, uh, doing the old uh carnival carnival voice carnival you do no i mean you you, know. you are you are your own brand all the time exactly so and, yeah and you got to represent it the best way you can right now it seems like you got great representation you got a solid team behind you yeah for sure to make these things happen so when you go to these cons um how much of the overall team are you bringing with you so i've been experimenting with that uh, i did one I did a twin cities con in minneapolis two weeks ago and it was just me and one other person and that was rough because that was a big convention. It was three days and Saturday of that weekend. We did not move. Like we couldn't get away from the booth. Not one, not one of us at all. So I think three to four is the ideal number most of the time because we're doing play sessions. I'm answering questions. Right. Um, but historically three to four, we were in Baltimore this past weekend with three and that was like really good. So it depends LA. We're going to have five because there's 130,000 people there. That, that that's a bigger one. And then in Boston, we're going to have like 10 because we're sponsoring that event in Boston, oh, wow. which is, which is December 3rd. And so we're doing like tournaments and play tests. And we'll have the starter decks there and all that cool stuff. So that'll be a much bigger one, but I find like two to two is a little rough. Three is kind of like the ideal number for small and then kind of goes up to like right. five or six. Yeah. So you can handle crowds and questions and things like that. Yeah, because there's a lot of questions that come in, and people, especially in the card areas, like they want to hold the cards, they want to play the game, they want to touch it, they don't want to just look at it and talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to mute. Okay. I have a question. So, um, various tour, uh, convention games have unique requirements for judges. What goes into your tournament judging, like? So that's actually a good question because we just started talking about that because we haven't done any in-person tournaments yet. We do a lot of oversight and my team right now <clears throat> is primarily overseeing everything digitally. The good news is, so our game has a few different formats. Um, one of them is extended, which is like the one I play the most, but that's a long game. That's like one and a half hours. Our tournament version is 25 to 30 minutes. And so from our judging standpoint, we have really like clear cut guidelines. It's a very easy game to play because the win conditions, there's only two ways to win the game. One is to get um, what we call relics. There's four you have to get. And then the first player that does that wins. And the other way is your opponent runs out of cards. So it's pretty easy. And in terms of the documentation, like we have a full database oh, you know, for people listening, you can go to wiki.mischiefandmalice.com and see the entire rules. And it's very clear cut and laid out. So we made it really easy for our judges. <clears throat> and then what happens is we have a website launching that's what we call our play network, where we track leaderboards and stats. So when you play the game, we can track who wins, <clears throat> what decks were they using, what cards were they using, but you can sign up to be a judge. And when you do that, we actually have an onboarding process like from our team we get on a video call we go through the rules you're certified we actually send you like a judge card and this this whole thing and then you're usually assigned to like an lgs or an online center okay. so are how are you going to okay you got a question nick uh stevie does 
Um, I was going to say, you said the tournament games are usually about 25 minutes, and then your long game is like an hour and something minutes, so what's just an average game? Like the time frame of just an average game? Not tournament, not long, just... I would say the the first time someone plays it, it's usually about Uh 45 minutes to an hour because of the questions and the setup and the this. Once you know how to play the game, half an hour. Okay. So you mentioned the training of the judges. I asked that, you know, when we were um, stabbing our putting together questions, I know that uh, Magic the Gathering, for instance, because that's the only one in Pokemon, but they don't have as many tournaments that I know of, like I hear about for Magic. They have a whole onboarding process for their judges. They get certified their judges. Yes. They get certified judges at various local Magics or local stores. And they sometimes have issues when they don't properly vet the judges who then get around kids that want to play the game. And I know you're family oriented. So how do you ensure that you've got enough judges out there while protecting families? Because you've branded yourself just because you and I have talked offline as being family friendly business. And you go out of where even with your art, even the scary stuff isn't graphically so. No, no. So my background career wise, um, I ran um, doesn't matter what retailer, but I ran the loss prevention department for a large retailer. So very familiar with background checks. That's an important part of the process because you're right. Especially when you get into the LGS scene, you are always opening yourself up to younger components. And our game from a rating standpoint is going to end up getting probably eight and up as a rating. That's what we're shooting for, but it's probably going to be a little bit higher than that. But we fully expect, even if the rating's higher than that, that eight is kind of the base where we think players could easily play the game because the game is accessible we actually have characters that are kind of designed like for younger players in that first set so no it's it's a huge thing we we talk about all the time it's something i think about because like i've got like i said i've got three kids under four so it's something that's on my mind okay that's good so while you don't have the answers just yet because you're developing you definitely are going forward with that in mind because i know magic they built their judging in the rule set when they first started and they never updated it for the modern world and they got <clears throat> caught kind of flat footed and they yeah. didn't know what to do. And it, 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 for stuff that wasn't their fault, they got egg on their face. And nowadays, you know, businesses just have to think about that. The hard part is, <clears throat> so most judge positions are volunteer positions, right? So you have to balance the incentive there and you have to say like, so like any volunteer position, you immediately eliminate a giant pool of people who would do it if it, if it was a monetary game. So one of the things we're doing, so not only for judges, but also just for people in the community is if you work for an LGS or you're a judge that is affiliated with an LGS, anytime that game store orders product, you're getting commission off of it permanently. Okay. Even in our, even in our current group right now, because most of those roles make sense to be volunteer because realistically you're going to judge like maybe a game a month. So it's hard to quantify on like a contractor basis, but you want something to be there. So even right now, like if you're in our discord and you say to me, I'm going to go to this LGS and I'm going to, I want to pitch the game. Like we send you a press kit, all of that. If you secure that and that no matter what that LGS orders, one case, hundred cases, you're getting a permanent fixed commission off of that, off of that initial order and then perpetually. Because I, I've been, listen, before we started this, like I've been in a ton of other um, communities and they kind of just hope that their player base talks about the game, but people are financially driven. So you need to incentivize that. Okay. Absolutely. So you've, you've yeah. turned them into your evangelical um, opponents, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even, it's funny too, because we just started building out like um, not the network of, of people, but the system to track it and the system to track the orders and all that good stuff. But yeah, like my background is retail. 
um, both on the loss prevention side, analytics side, and then sales side. So it's, it's a, it's a huge component. And again, if you want to get this, if you want to launch a, a company, right, you only have like one chance to really do that. And so I think casting as wide of a net as you possibly can and having people really passionate about it, but then also like, you know, doing well at the same time, I think is really important to have. Yeah. So speaking of uh, monetary motivation, um, at some point, do you expect that your tournaments are going to get big enough? There'll be prizes for the winners um, other than bragging rights? For sure. Uh, Yeah, that's, I mean, well, our first tournament is going to have cash prizes. We're doing an online tournament in December. I haven't even announced it yet. Uh, And that's going to have a a pretty large cash prize to it, plus a custom card made just for them. So you can do two things. Like people really like that too, I've noticed. And I I would. Um, Them being able to have like artistic direction over a card, have a card made out of them or their kids or something like that. But yeah, no, monetarily, like you have to. So there's a game out there called MetaZoo. They're a newer card game. Um, They are struggling to get people to play their game. So they had a, uh, a tournament where they offered a $50,000 cash prize and they could not fill the tournament. Oh so I, I say that just because like, it's not everything. It's definitely a component, but it just kind of goes to show you how important it is to like keep the base healthy from day one. Cause they're, they're playing catch up. They literally could not have enough seats filled at the tournament to actually give away the money, which is kind of nuts. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thousand dollars. I would have learned. It's a horrible game, by the way. It's a horrible game. Like we, uh, we were building our like how to play tutorials. Like I looked at like a ton of different games. And that's the hardest game to play by by far. I watched a forty five minute long tutorial. I could not tell you how to play the game. It is really bad. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. Because the average attention span is about thirty seconds, thanks to TikTok. You know. Yeah, no, short form content has 100% changed the way people learn. It's kind of nuts. Like, you really have to be able to give people things in bite sizes. Otherwise, speaking, they're not going to remember it. Speaking of learning, I do know that we have a link in the show notes that includes your YouTube channel. Do you plan on doing like instructional videos where you walk players? Because I, I know a lot yep. of like my, my sons included, when we look at a new game, the first thing we do is we go to BitChute or Rumble or, or YouTube and we look, are there instructional videos where someone breaks it down? Because sometimes the people writing the rules don't seem to understand their players have to be able to understand whatever. Yeah. I'm like, Was this written in Latin and then translated to English? Because I don't understand what you're trying to say. It's hard. And that's why I brought on copywriters because you're not wrong. Like, when you stare at your own game long enough, everything makes sense. And then the second someone else reads the rules, you're like, well, what do you mean? How, how do you not get this? It becomes frustrating. So you need someone to, and I have a tendency myself as a person to be very cold and clinical, or so I'm told by by women in my, in my life. Uh, so, you know, I don't see it, but whatever. So, you know, you have to like transcribe things for the average person to read. And so it's super important. So we actually have those videos in development right now. And the perfect length for that video is under five minutes. And then, yeah, we'll have that out the first week of December. Nice. So, so I guess what I was more saying was not so much that cold and clinical, because that speaks to my cold dead heart. So I'm with yeah. you there, yeah. but it's just like with cookbooks as I'm learning, cause I'm teaching myself to cook. A lot of them write the rules with the presupposition that you know more than you do, which sure. makes it unaccessible to people that are totally like that player who's never played a board game or a card game that says, Hey, this art looks pretty badass. I'd like to try it. And then they look at the rules and you assume they know, you know, this base level of information that you built your rule set upon. And if they don't, you've just lost them. For sure. No, you're right. Yeah. So like, yeah, we, 
we refer to like tiers. So like level one is a player that has is come to this game. They've never played a game, period. So you do guides for level one, and then you do guides all the way up to like level five. Level five is someone that has played in a professional tournament. And there's different terms you would use for them. There's certain mechanics. Like there's a lot to this game that you could learn that's super advanced, but you could easily teach the game in under five minutes. Like we do it at conventions. If you can't teach the game in under three minutes, then like, don't, I don't want to talk to you. So I'm like for people on my team, like you just, you have to be able to showcase the game in three minutes or less in a way that the player can actually understand and then play back, which we can do. Um, so no, you're not, you're not wrong at all. Especially if you're someone that's like a little intimidated by a game, like that's super important. Okay, so you know we we try to keep this under an hour and we failed miserably, but it's cool. We do that all the time. All good. I do it all the time. Myself, no, so you're good. we failed miraculously in a good way. Yeah, I mean we I'm up. conversation, so I'm not complaining. So yeah. one, uh, we didn't talk about this offline, but I'm gonna say if you get that thing going on Steam, it might be fun to film a, a game for this uh, for the channel because we're we're looking at that as well with the uh, Asheron's fall that uh, I may or may not have sunk my Christmas bonus into. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> nice. And you and you made a bet that you were going to destroy me, which oh, yeah, I, I gladly uh, take your money. If I lose, like, I have to send him coffee. But if I win, he's got to pay for my coffee. So it's it's a fair trade. No, honestly, um, we could do a bunch of stuff. I'd love to have you guys on one night to to play through it. We could take you guys all through it. We're and, definitely uh, we, down for that. We could even give away some free stuff to some of your listeners too. Some some free cards. Some we have some prototype cards that we give away to people that play test. We could do some really cool stuff with that. So I would love to have you guys. See, there you go. It's win right. win. We're going to get with you offline and book that. But uh, with that being said, is there anything we didn't ask? Because you know, cards are new to us. We haven't involved in that. Uh, but the art was cool enough that you had Nick's attention. Was there anything we didn't think to ask that you think we should know? No, honestly, I think we covered a lot. Um, nothing that that really comes to mind for me. No. Okay. Well, with that being said, uh, you you mentioned that this game is done. You're working on season two and three expansions. Uh, what's next for you besides this game? Because obviously, you know, this was years in the making. So, well. It's just more of this game for a while. Um, okay. From a company standpoint, like my other brands I run are kind of uh, a little bit less hands-on in this one. There's just so many moving pieces, but I love it. So my next year is honestly going to be pretty much spent on the road. My old career was on the road. I was on the road like three or four days a week. So now I'm kind of back to that on the weekends. So it's just um, developing, making sure that our Kickstarter is successful, our convention run is really strong, and just kind of keeping the uh, foot on the gas and uh, maybe get some sleep at some point. But for now, we're good. Uh, you don't sleep. Sleep's a crutch. That's that's what I'm saying, dude. You you take enough caffeine, you don't even feel it. It's fine. But you at least you get to a point where you don't need it anymore. You don't. No, you're you're actually right. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I feel it's kind of disgusting because like I like my wife especially will get on my ass about it a lot, and I'm just like, dude, just go to bed. I'm, I'm not tired. I'm not going to bed. I'm working on yeah. stuff till like three o'clock in the morning. I'd rather just get it done. So, so do you get to I got a wife that's a night owl, so she'll be right here in the studio with me. Even better. Um, and see, my so. I got I got to give mine some slack to her credit because she she's up at like six every morning and going for runs, and then she home we, we homeschool the kids, so she's dealing with that. And like, yeah, say what I'd, I'd rather do what I do than do what she does. So I'm good. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Do you I don't go for the runs. I don't <laughs> yeah. go for the runs, but I do homeschool. But I'm okay. also an insomniac. So like sleep is elusive. Yeah, for sure. So do you do you at least get to take your family with you on these um, these trips? Because conventions, generally speaking, are pretty family friendly. 
They are, yeah. I was gonna. My daughter was gonna come with us this past weekend in Baltimore because it was a kind of a day trip for me from Jersey. But she's four, and uh, yeah, she she chose to go to the park instead. So she really likes to have me in the back. That's fine. Kids, I'm, I'm, I'm not kids. bitter about it or anything at all. So no big. Which if they turn teenagers, they're really gonna dig that knife in hard. I know. No, I'm not into. I'm not into that anymore. It's like you used to be able to recite the Marvel Encyclopedia. What exactly. the hell happened to you? Yeah, man, the betrayers. I tell you, it's crazy. You know, that needs to be a card, the betrayer. You need to write that into the game. It's great. They all have their own cards too. Like we even made it like so like everyone that, that goes to a convention, we make like I'm wearing like mine. Like I have a shirt that has like my character on. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna put you on the, the full solo screen. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We that. have a this like, guy widescreen access now. Yeah, we have characters that we use. So oh, like I like shirts it. All have the characters and your name on it. So we even like made one for her, her character in the game. Her name's Olivia in real life, so her character's name is uh Oblivia. Oh, I like it. It's a uh, super, it's like this ghost unicorn. I let her like design it with me. You would think she'd be all eager. She has a shirt and everything, but now nah, I guess the park uh, was, was more compelling. So I'm just saying the, uh, the betrayer is the perfect card for every dad that's ever dadded and every mom that's ever You're right. mom. You're probably right about you, that, man. You need to run with that, my friend. That is like it's gold right there. You just stumbled on the gold. It's got to be a teenager too. Oh, yes. It's yeah. a teenager. My oldest teenager was in town visiting friends 20 minutes from where I live. Did not contact me. To let me know <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it feels good. The, the, the dagger was just like so deep. Yeah, I'm man. Like, oh, did she gaslit me like it was my fault? Of course oh, she like, does. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. This moment's like, like that. You're going to have kids. Yeah. You see, the moment's like that, you got to call your parents and be like, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I was an ass. And I apologize now. Can you remove the curse that made my kids just like me? Exactly. Well, that makes sense because I'm going to need a Ouija board to talk to my mom. She's been passed for a while. No. And a I would love to tell her, hey, mom, that, that, that curse you put on me, that one day I'm going to have a kid just like me. Well, it came true. I hope you're happy. <laughs> the 13-year-old the in the other room that said, mom. I'd leave you in the fire because you already said you'd die for me. I mean, kind of like, it's kind of wobbly. Like, wait a minute. You want to <laughs> wake me up and tell me the house is on fire? Yeah, it's kind of like, like no, you already me. said you would, you would die for me. So I just leave you in the fire. That's just something people say. Yeah. Yeah, they don't mean it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll try, I'll make an attempt <laughs> unless it's too hot and I get burned. <laughs> I'm about, yeah. I, 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 I raised you well enough to you should probably know how to get out. The See you on the other there. side. Nick yeah, is the kind of parent who would have the 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 two kids in the in the playpen with a sword between them and like the one that lives gets the college money. That's Nick's style of parenting. Yeah, yeah. I made a fight for baby food. That's, that's it. That's what you do. So one, survives. one bottle. You just throw it, throw it in, in yeah. between all of them. It's all very who wants it more? Lives, right? <laughs> that's great. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're I'm, definitely going to have you back to uh, to do some of the playthroughs because this sounds like a lot of fun. You've got yeah. us interested, and we've never played these. None of us have. Um, Let's go. So we'll, we're going to get you back on the schedule probably after the, the holiday season because you've got yeah, your sure. conventions. Um, with that being said, how can listeners and viewers find you? And as usual, all of the links will be in the show note if you don't remember to write them down. Yeah, so we're the most active on our Discord. Okay. Um, and our Discord handle is literally Mischief and Malice. But if you go to mischiefandmalice.com, all of our links are there. But of all of our socials we use, Discord is the most interactive. We do 
art reveals every single week, game updates every single week, our convention schedules there. Uh, my whole team is super active there. We have a pretty big base there too. So I would say that is the number one place to find us right I, now. I will say that if you use Discord on your phone and you you know don't live on your phone because you have things like jobs and bills, maybe mute the channel because it is kind of active. You will drain your battery from the alerts. It's one of those it channels. Active. It's yeah. a good problem to have. Okay, I'm right on, yeah, Discord. And uh, speaking of speaking of Discord channels, I'm looking for um, people to help me organize ours because the Blasters and Blades will have a channel soon. I know you have, uh, dear listeners, reached out and you want to get away from the face spaces wherever possible. And so we we strive to prevent or to provide that, not prevent it. Provide, provide. I promise. Uh, Stabby will not be there. She says Discord gives her a headache. It confuses her. She just got used to Zuckerberg. She still misses Tom, her first friend on MySpace. <laughs> Bro, I got on the McFarland Discord, and my phone just doesn't shut the f up. Yeah. <laughs> First and foremost, Jr. Oh no. You are an insomniac, just as bad as I am. And you <laughs> keep me up enough. Well, I'll wake up at six in the morning. There's like 30 missed conversations between these two. And I'm like, oh, I'm not even getting into it. The admin chat for the podcast, he's like, I just mute it. I look when I have time. I don't blame him. We both have insomnia, so I'll be writing. And then like, hey, and I'll send her all these annoying memes. Because what else are you going to do with memes but spam? I was four hours, man. You guys are like, I gotta, that's an hour catching up with y'all's talks. And then I got to go work a 10-hour shift. All right, so we appreciate you uh, you coming on. Um, as you, oh, well, first off, we know we generally encourage people to write reviews when it comes to um, like books and comics. Is there anywhere for card games that they can leave reviews? How does that work? Actually, actually, yeah, we have a page up on boardgamegeek.com. All right, that, that is, is the yeah, that is the number one board game site. So in those links, yeah, anybody can go on there. They can learn more about the game, see some pictures of it, um, and then yeah, that's where a lot of our reviews are had right now. All we right, just so started getting reviews there, actually, because we prior to that we we kept the page private. But now that we're out of play testing and people are actually playing for real, I, I opened it up. Yeah, uh, Sandy. So this is where we remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers and board game players and card game players and comic book readers find the right products, people. So do your part and speak your mind. It really does uh, does help. And we will link to all of Tox's um, stuff for Mischief and Malice in the show notes. Uh, you can find us on our link tree at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoot, the rumbles, the Twitters, the email for the podcast, where it's just business only, please. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And last but not least, we link to Madam Stabby Stab on Instagram, Twitter, and email. So if you want to send hate mail, she would love to respond and make you cry. But I'm just saying we're not paying for your therapy afterwards. All right. No. Uh, have you gotten any hate mail yet? I've had oh, spam mail. Spam. No, no, no hate <laughs> I sent her hate mail and she was like, stop flirting with me. I'm like, well, hell, I guess I got to step my game up. So Stabby makes people take cry, a lot dude. To freak me out. So, I mean. So you, you have your challenge to your listener. I think All right. Spam guy cry, though. That's that's excellent. <laughs> you can find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades, where you for as little as 99 cents, you can a month you can support the show and help keep the lights on. These episodes are not free to produce, so every little bit helps. Or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author Jared Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com 
slash author Jared Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast, and I promise I will keep my co-hosts duly caffeinated. They will drink until the caffeine pours out of their eyeballs. I understand it's it's the right season, so Stabby drinks things like cider and tea and weird stuff that you can't put bourbon in. I don't know what that's about. She don't like bourbon. Well, I mean, nobody's perfect, Nick. Jeez. Yeah, I know. It's 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 a hard marriage, but we make it work. Yeah, I mean, like, what's next? Like, evil and light, darkness and light together? I mean, just come Bugs on. Dogs and cats living together. Nasty stereo. <laughs> She's in line. I do not know where this is going, sir. Please. Oh, no. Leave in the comments what movie that's from, and I'll send you a free comic book. All right, you heard it first. All right, uh, and with that being said, uh, you also can support the show by going to our link in the comments or in the show notes. Um, Coffee Brand Coffee is an affiliate of the program. Podcast Grunts. Oh, it's been a long night. Podcast Grunts as the discount code gets you 10% off. Company is made in America by Americans. You're helping your country. You're helping us. You're getting good coffee. It tastes delicious. I'm just saying if you put it a little bit strong, you get a little jittery. I'm just saying, but that's not a bad thing. I'm enjoying that's the my preferred drink when I want a freedom boner. That's right. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I can hear colors and see sound. It is glorious. I was halfway to work before I realized I forgot my car. Well, like we told you not to use Red Bull in your coffee, sir. That was your fault. That replic that replaced the water, and I that's have a how story I can for you guys see sounds and hear colors. Air. Well, speaking of off air, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-hosts who are overly caffeinated and undersleep, underslept, tired, exhausted, insomniac. I don't know. I shouldn't do this on the fly. Uh, this was the Blasters and Blaze podcast, and we'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Thank you for stopping by, Tox. This was a lot of fun. You've got us hooked. I'm going to mortgage the house and buy your game next. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, guys. All right. Thank you. And.